Hello, everyone, and welcome to a long-awaited edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. Yes, there will be NBA talk soon, but today... Yes, we're, we're waiting on the Cavs to finish off the sweep of the Raptors. I'm your co-host, Andrew Baker. Yeah, just real quick before we get into... Uh, we're doing NFL talk today. We're going to talk about the NFL draft, mostly about the Browns, but also some of the other uh, picks that happened that we just either disagree with or we just think are downright hilarious. But before we start, let's just say, because we're not because it's going to be a little bit dated before we get to that podcast. Uh, LeBron is the GOAT. He just hit a game-winning shot going to the left. Going to the left, shooting with his right hand, a floater in the lane to win the game. Absolutely amazing. I just, you'll hear more about it once the Cavs sweep the Raptors and we'll talk about the series. But uh, yeah, today we're doing NFL draft overview. James is good at basketball. He is. He is absolutely amazing. If only he played for the Browns, maybe we'd be a better team. But uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about the Browns. It's been about a week since the draft. It's given us a little bit of time to uh, digest what's happening. And uh, the Browns had a lot of picks this year. We had picks in the first, second, third, fourth, and sixth rounds. But uh, we took a lot of players, and uh, I think we have to start with... a lot of players. Nice. We did. We took a lot of polarizing players. So I think we have to start with, uh, obviously, the pick number one overall. Everyone knew the Browns were taking a quarterback. That was no secret, right, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I mean, unless they were... Unless they just decided that they were going to do something stupid. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, it was, was pretty obvious. With the, with the there was four guys the Browns were going to pick from. There was Josh Rosen, the quarterback from UCLA. There was Josh Allen, the quarterback from Wyoming. They're all quarterbacks. Uh, Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma and Sam Darnold from USC. Now, heading into the draft, there was a lot of talk that it was going to be Sam Darnold out of USC. There was pictures of Jimmy Haslam sitting with Darnold's family, and everyone's just like, okay, he's the safe pick. Let's take him. Well, uh... A couple, like literally a day or two before the draft, more buzz started coming out that uh, Baker Mayfield was going to be the pick for the Browns. And uh, for once, that buzz a few days before the draft, which I rarely listen to, was correct. Uh, with the first pick overall in the 2018 NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Oklahoma. Uh, you take it from here, Andrew. Like I have plenty of thoughts, but just from someone that doesn't that didn't watch a lot of him coming out of school what did you think about the pick first pick since the browns picked tim couch in 1999 that they took a quarterback outside inside the top five you just stole my you just stole my stat man hey come on god yeah but look the browns had to pick a quarterback at number one because there were four available and they have a credible front office and that front office had their choice of the four or five quarterbacks or three depending on how many you agree were in that top tier I would say probably three. Some people say four, some five, whatever. Um, the Browns had to decide which one they wanted and pick them. Uh, as much as the Browns have been harassed over the years, rightfully so, for having trash quarterbacks literally every year, they really haven't spent high draft picks on quarterbacks. Uh, like Graham said, since 99, they haven't picked a quarterback in the top five. It's the curse of 22. In fact, yeah, the Browns haven't picked a quarterback higher than 22nd overall since they came back. And all three of them were for, busts. For a franchise that is this bad, they haven't picked quarterbacks high. They've had the third pick a couple times. They picked Gerard Warren, Braylon Edwards, Joe Thomas, Trent Richardson. So Joe Thomas was the only good pick. They've had the sixth pick a few times. Barkevius Mingo, oh Kellen Winslow. Oh. So the point, the point is the Browns have not 
traded up to get the quarterback they needed or had the quarterback they needed fall to them in the draft before. I mean, you can look at 22nd overall, which was Brady Quinn in 2007, uh, Brandon Whedon in 2012, or Johnny Manziel in 2014. There's a reason those three guys were available at, tw- at 22nd overall all those years. And the Browns went with those guys as their guy, despite the fact that other NFL teams didn't see them as premier talent. Otherwise, they would have gone top 10. Yeah. Because if you're a premier quarterback talent in the NFL, you're going to go top 10. Yeah, That's mean, just how it goes. Brady um, Quinn is really the only guy out of those three that was even considered having a chance to be good. And, and 21 teams out. didn't want him. So, yeah. you know, there 20, you go. 20, because the Browns picked before picked two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, the Browns had to make their pick and the Baker Mayfield pick. I mean, some people say it's controversial, you know, Baker Mayfield has been the best quarterback of the guys that have been, that were available in this draft in college. He was the best one in college. That doesn't mean he's going to be the best one in the NFL because evaluating a college player for college and evaluating a college player on his pro potential are two different things and size and measurables and things like that do matter more in the NFL just because there's so much more talent on the field at all times, so much more speed and strength. But Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in the draft so far in their careers. I mean, he's he won the Heisman this year. He's put up big numbers in college. And, you he know. He takes care of the football. So yeah, I, don't, to, I don't think you can really yeah. fault the Browns for picking. Again, I, you know, I'm not someone who's going to sit here and lie to you and tell you I've watched the film and all these guys and I believe this guy to be this or that. But if you look at it, I don't think you can really complain about the pick because, again, this is who they've decided is best. And it's really impossible. You know, when the draft ends, everyone always comes out with their hot takes about all these things. But it, it, we're never, we're not going to know how good these guys are for like years. Right, so you know, three to five. I, yeah, I think taking the guy who's been the best quarterback so far, I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. It's not like he's five foot seven or he loves cocaine like Johnny Manziel. Okay, yeah. I mean, you want a fun he, fact, he, there's Andrew? No, there's not a comparison really like that. You want a fun fact? So uh, Sam Darnold, who was talked about for the Browns for a long time as the number one pick, had 22 total turnovers. Uh, this past year for USC, you know how many interceptions Baker Mayfield threw in his entire career. 22. 21. Oh. He threw less interceptions in three years than Sam Darnold had turnovers is in, in one year. It's a good stat. I mean, he yes, he played in an offense that was a lot more wide open. In the Big 12, that just tends to happen. There's more wide open passing lanes. But what I really like about Baker Mayfield, I watched a lot of his games over the past few years just, in college, just watching college football because I'm an avid college football fan. I watch anything I can. So watching Baker Mayfield – He was exceptional at Texas Tech as a walk-on, then transferred to Oklahoma, sat for a year behind Trevor Knight, and then took the job from him and was absolutely amazing, posting back-to-back the most efficient seasons in NCAA college football history. Like, he is great at anticipating. He has good accuracy. He has an above-average to a good arm. He's not Josh Allen. He's not going to throw the ball 80 yards from his knees. But, you know, the last guy that did that was... Uh, that was big old fat Jamarcus Russell, and he, uh, he's probably eating somewhere. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> but point being, Jamarcus didn't have a good career. Point being, you can't just look at arm talent because if you look at arm talent, Josh Allen is the best quarterback in this draft. You look at all of the things, and John Dorsey said this that all, that football character and the very high football IQ that Baker Mayfield had. He made a lot of plays out of nothing. 
I get people who make the Manziel comparisons because he's a little bit fiery and he's had a few issues off the field. None of those were drug issues. It was just him being a stupid college student running from the law, and he's learned from that. Hopefully he also learned from planting the flag in the middle of the field at Ohio at the buck at the horseshoe when they beat Ohio state or grabbing his crotch when they be we're playing Kansas. Look, if he throws 20, 30 touchdowns in the NFL is here, you can grab his crotch all as one. That's true. I mean, and obviously if you're, if he's on your team, you're going to love him for that. So he is really good. And I think Todd Haley is known for building offenses around his players. So it's not going to be like Hugh Jackson, where he basically Hugh Jackson said, you're going to fit into my scheme or you're not going to work out. Hugh Jackson has given Todd Haley full autonomy of the offense, which he did say in a Cleveland.com article this week. So Haley is going to fit the offense best for him. And yes, could, this, this, this just leaves Hugh Jackson to manage timeouts. That went so well anyway. Exactly. And who better to be the backup to than someone who's probably similar to him in playing style, just not maybe not as much in mobility as him, but Tyrod Taylor is a great mentor to have. A guy that grinded his way from a fifth round pick to being a starting quarterback in the NFL, led a team to the playoffs, and then got let go. I mean, it's a great situation for Baker. We're not going to get rushed into a situation where we have to play him. I just think given the time and given the right coaching, which I think we have, and the talent that we've now surrounded him with, which we'll get to soon, I think that the Mayfield has a very good ceiling and he has the ability to be a top half of the league quarterback, which I think anyone would take right now through the Browns. If, if, if Look, if Baker Mayfield ends up being the best quarterback out of these four, then John Dorsey is going to be heralded as the hero of the Browns. If he's the second best quarterback in the draft, that's probably fine. If he's the third best, then you're going to look at a pick that's going to get a lot of criticism. And if he has a bad, bad career, then John Dorsey's not going to be the GM of the Browns in a couple of years. Yeah, and we're going to be reset that's how, another that's, five years. That's how these things work. Um, I don't think you can really sit here today and make any declarations or proclamations about not. who's going to be good and who's not. But – I think if there's ever a time to trust a Browns front office with picking a quarterback, it's this time. So, you know, um, we'll see how how he works. I mean, it's hopefully it's a whole year of sitting before we find out. I don't uh, want him to compete for the starting job. It needs to be Tyrod. For me personally, Tyrod Taylor needs to be the one with the job because unless Baker Mayfield does what Russell Wilson did when he was coming out, uh, when he was picked in the third round for Seattle and he just – flat out outplays Tyrod Taylor. That's the only situation where you're like, okay, we have to give him a chance. If it's a close or it's a tie, you give it to Tyrod Taylor because you want to give Baker Mayfield as much time as possible to learn. Cause like I said, he's coming from an air raid type system. He needs time to be able to adjust to the NFL style offense, the speed of it, and really just not just get, get his feet wet. We don't want to throw him into the deep end like Deshaun Kaiser because we saw what happened when he had very subpar talent and he wasn't ready. So overall, I like the pick. I would have personally taken Josh Rosen just because I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. But I think that Baker Mayfield can be a very successful quarterback given the time and given the right coaching, which I think he can't have here. Because Hugh Jackson now can just focus on coaching and managing things, which maybe now, finally, I'm holding my breath, maybe he can do. But we also have Todd Haley and Al Saunders and all these great senior offensive coaches that have been in the league for a long time that will help him out. Yeah, clearly Hugh Jackson's been above his head as an NFL head coach. Yeah, um, absolutely. We'll see how it goes from here on out. I'm not really – I don't think anyone's convinced yet that Hugh Jackson's a good NFL coach, but he's got a year to work with uh, above average or at least average NFL quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. I mean, on talent, so, this offense is markedly better than it 
was last year. Just oh, it's not, it's not, it's not close. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's not close. Uh, so yeah, so we'll see with, with the number four pick, the Browns kind of bucked what most people thought would be the pick. Bradley Chubb, a pass rusher was available. And instead the Browns picked Denzel Ward, a cornerback from Ohio state. I think, Ohio kid. I think the rationale for this pick is this. They had a need at corner. They had a need at pass rusher. There is more depth in this draft at cornerback, which makes you think they could have taken the pass rusher. But I think their thought process was that any other corner that would have taken in the second round or later would have been a number two type. And the Browns have several, several guys, also several guys that are still relatively young that are candidates to be a good number two corner on this team. But I don't think any of those guys – really profile as a number one corner. Yeah, like TJ Carey, so TJ Gaines. I think they're counting on Miles Garrett to take a major step forward, and they're counting on Emmanuel Agba to continue to have a breakout season as he did last year before he got hurt. So they're, they're, they're basically counting on their top two pass rushers already being set and a third pass rusher being necessary but also kind of a luxury. So I think they're looking at Denzel War as more of a necessity considering they don't have – really a number one corner on the roster. And a lot of uh, a lot of NFL draft pundits, yes, pundits, gurus, whatever you want to call them, have said that Denzel Ward profiles ideally as a great number two corner. But I think if you're picking a guy this high, clearly the Browns think there's a good chance he becomes a good number one corner. And if he does, then, again, you really can't complain about the pick. But that's how the NFL works. It's how any sport works. Mm-hmm. You can sit here and talk about need – and fit all you want, but at the end of the day, if the player's good, it's a good pick. If he's not, it's not a good pick. That's how this is going to work. And the Browns aren't good enough yet to where they can really specialize. Yeah. So if they think he was know, the best player available, which it seems like they did because they didn't take Chubb, they must have had Ward either graded higher or they were tied, and then they must have made a decision based on positional uh value to them and to Greg Williams positional value is more in the cornerbacks because he likes to manufacture pass rushes, disguising coverages, blitzing. Whereas maybe if it was a different defensive coordinator, someone that was a little bit more traditional, you would have gotten the Bradley Chubb pick. But uh, I mean, Denzel Ward played is a very, is a good tackler. He's not an amazing tackler. He's a good tackler. He has great ball instincts. The interception numbers might not show it, but he did had a lot of pass deflections, a lot of, good job covering number one guys in college. And he was playing against a lot of good wide receivers in the big 10 and outside the conference, which could go on to be players in the NFL. So he is a little bit on the smaller side. He's 5'11, 190. So that is a little bit of a concern. He doesn't have the longest arms. So I don't know if you'll be able to match him up with the Julio Joneses and the AJ greens and the, and the other big wide receivers that are out in the league, but there's only a few of those. Those are unicorns. Nowadays, usually if you're a big receiver, you're not fast. And if you're a small receiver, you can't jump over him. So I like the pick for Denzel Ward just because I think you're right. I think they think he can be a number one cornerback and he has shown he's good at playing man to man coverage, which Greg Williams does play a lot because he does blitz. So I think that's going to be important. It could come back to bite us in the butt, especially because Bradley Chubb is now in a great position to succeed with the Denver Broncos getting picked fifth pops at Von Miller. He's going to have a lot of one-on-one coverages just because people are going to go over to Von Miller and double team him. So he could be set up for success in the short term and he could end up being the better player. But right now it's all about projection and Denzel Ward can project to be a number one corner in the NFL. And I personally am okay with the pick. 
The next pick, I think, is, I guess you could say, a little more confusing. The, yeah. the Browns had the first pick of the second round, which means they had an entire day to figure out who they wanted to pick because after the first round, there's an entire wait day of waiting. So you, you could look at running back. You could look at a wide receiver. You could look at a pass rusher. You could look at an offensive lineman. An offensive lineman is the, the route the Browns opted to go. The Browns picked Austin Corbett, a tackle from Nevada. So we got two Nevada boys now. The Browns offensive line is set at left guard, right guard, and center. Sean Coleman is a very capable right tackle who they are currently trying as the left tackle. Austin Corbett. You forgot about right tackle being set. Right. And, Austin, and, and right tackle was considered set with Chris Hubbard. Now, with the Corbett pick, most people seem to think that they're going to continue to use Sean Coleman as the left tackle and use Corbett as the right tackle, which would lead Chris Hubbard as a really, really highly paid swingman backup offensive lineman. Which I don't think is going to happen. So, you know, I don't really know. If, if I was more of a draft evaluator, then I'd probably have a, more of an opinion on this pick. But it does seem a little strange to me with all the needs the Browns had. They picked a guy who doesn't necessarily play left tackle in the NFL. Because I think yeah. if they were going to draft an offensive lineman, I think left tackle was the only one they could really pick. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred they put Sean Coleman at left tackle, see if it works for a year. If not, you can draft a left tackle next year when you're going to have you know, another first-round pick, as you do every year. And there's going to be more left tackle candidates next year. And then you can go with... You know, so but they, you know, from what they I have heard, depth yeah. now, so basically they're going to be able to try Coleman or Corbett at left tackle and see if one of them sticks. So yeah, you know, I think it's kind of an interesting pick because they had so many needs and they and this wasn't necessarily a huge need unless he is truly a left tackle. That's what the Browns but, believe, I think, yeah. because unless they're going to move Joel Batonio, the other Nevada uh, Wolfpack member, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl left guard when he's healthy, so. I think they're going to give Corbett a chance at left tackle because I don't want. I don't think I see them moving Batonio when they have that really good interior of Batonio, Treader, and Zeitler. So I think that if ideally they're going to, they probably would want to go into the season with Corbett, Batonio, Treader, Zeitler, and Hubbard as their starting five. With then Coleman coming in as that extra offensive lineman, hmm. then you have Austin Ryder, you have. All these other, you have uh, Spencer Durango who performed pretty admirably last year. So the the Browns have a lot of options, and they also have a good amount of depth now at offensive line. So maybe now that'll help uh, with maybe more running game options. Maybe adding in an extra offensive lineman, especially we're not tr- the Randall Telfair trade fell through. So maybe now we're gonna have a uh, maybe that would be in place of a blocking tight end. So I think. We'll see how it works for the Browns. I don't know much about Austin Corbett. He did start 46 games at left tackle at Nevada, so he is experienced. He's a, he's a little bit smaller for a left tackle, has a little bit shorter arms, but the Browns must clearly believe he can play left tackle because that was the only hole they had available because he's clearly not going to replace Zeitler or Batonio or Treader. So they must think he can play tackle, either right or left. So I think if he plays right tackle, Hubbard will play left. If he plays left tackle, Hubbard will play right. Yeah, I'm guessing that... The Browns are going to use Corbett as a tackle for sure. That's definite. And then if it doesn't work out, since Zeitler is getting 
older, you know, they can they can move on from him if they need to and move Corbett to guard. Yeah, it depends on how much guarantee so, look, money's left. If Corbett can be a good starting left tackle in the NFL, this is an absolute steal of a draft pick. If he can't be, what the Browns have is a good interior offensive line and three right tackles for one spot and no one to play left tackle. Which is a problem. So, you know, I, I'm going to trust the Browns' evaluation. Usually with the Browns, I assume they're idiots and they got it wrong. With this current front office, I'm going to assume that they're properly able to evaluate players and that Coleman or Corbett can be a left tackle because I have no problem with Hubbard being kind of overpaid as a backup offensive lineman because the Browns aren't desperate for cap space right now. And in the case that Coleman needs to get paid at some point in the future and they can't pay him, they'll have a guy already on the team to take over at right tackle if Corbett can be the right, the left tackle. So it remains to be seen what their plan is on the offensive line. Once again, as I have said repeatedly, if he's good, it's a good pick. If not, it doesn't make sense. But I do think they could have addressed other needs. It just, you know, if Corbett can be a left tackle, then they've got a steal and they've solved a problem for the future. Right. They did, they addressed a lot more obvious need with their next pick, which was only two picks later, this third pick in the second round. They picked Nick Chubb, the running back of Georgia. Uh, Darius Geis, who many people were hoping the Browns would trade back up into the first round to get. Uh, was still available, but obviously the Browns like Chubb a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's just Nick Chubb is not as much of a pass catcher as his uh, Georgia mate, Sony Michelle. Uh, Nick Chubb's a little bit more of an in-between-the-tackles guy, which, I, and I think for some people the reason why they felt like he got drafted or they shouldn't have drafted him is because he's similar to Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde's a little bit more of a bang-between-the-tackles, someone that, can get in and get those really big yardage. But uh, Nick Chubb is someone that the Browns could definitely use because Carlos Hyde is an injury prone running back. I think it's a problem because if he gets hurt, then you have Duke Johnson, who's a capable running back, but not someone that can handle the load full time. Yeah. I think that Chubb makes sense if the Browns are planning on keeping Duke Johnson long-term because Chubb is really more of strictly a first and second down guy. He's a bigger physical runner. He's pretty similar to Carlos Hyde. So I think currently for this season, Chubb and Hyde are relatively redundant picks. But we all know that Carlos Hyde has a lot of injury problems, and you cannot count on him being healthy for a full season. And additionally, he Carlos Hyde's not your running back of the future. So Nick Chubb can be a really, really good combo with Duke Johnson because they're different styles and they're different running backs. And I think – that one-two punch is a very, you know, a lot of NFL teams have gone to this bigger guy on first and second downs, smaller guy on third down. And I think that Duke Johnson's versatile enough that he can play some receiver as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not like if Chubb is a star, they're not going to be able to find space for Duke Johnson. Right. And I mean, Jarvis Landry has talked about that he might play outside a little bit. So that could allow Duke Johnson to play at the slot a little bit, which does allow Chubb or Hyde to get on the field. So it allows them to use all three of the backs without a, just leaving one on the bench because all three of these guys will be necessary at some point this season, just because if Hugh Jackson's actually serious, we don't know if he is about running the football. He said it the last two years, but if we can actually run the football, we have three guys that it should be capable of being able to give us combined 25, 30 carries a game. Yep. Um, With the Browns third pick in the third round, it was their fourth pick in the draft. 
or their fifth pick in the draft, rather. The Browns, look, I don't even know. Browns Those, had two first the Browns rounders, have a lot of draft second picks. rounders, and then they traded down from their other second round pick to the third round. Right. Where they drafted Chad Thomas, the defensive end out of Miami. Uh, I watched a little bit of him, so I, but I don't know a ton. He is a pretty good pass rusher. He probably he probably projects more as a rotational defensive end rather than someone who's going to be uh, a star pass rusher opposite Miles Garrett. But he does give us an option other than Emmanuel Ogba, someone to rotate with Miles Garrett and really give us a chance to get some pass rush. Um, he was productive at uh, Miami, but there is some upside with him. I just think it's at this point the Browns realized, okay, we really needed a pass rusher. We passed on Chubb. Obviously, he's not the same when it comes to uh, talent as Chubb, but I think he is someone that uh, was a captain at Miami, and I think that'll be someone that we can definitely use um, in the rotation that we need for pass rushers. You can never have enough rotational guys in your pass rush. Chad Thomas can play piano, trombone, euphonium. I don't even know what that is. Bass guitar, regular guitar, snare, tuba, trumpet, and drums. Did he pick the right? Did he pick the right profession? That's my fun fact about Chad Thomas. Chad Thomas is also six foot five, two hundred eighty pounds. He's a large man. Uh, Chad Thomas. You know, like like we said, pass rush was a need for the Browns. So is defensive line depth. He fits both. You know, he's not going to be most likely not a starter, but he is. He does have some upside considering how big he is and strong he is. He's got decent speed for a guy that size. So I think, you know, there's a good chance you could see him like on third downs to move Miles Garrett inside, uh, things like that. He'll be a depth guy on the d- defensive line that has some upside with coaching to maybe be a starter long term. Yeah. Um. Another pick the Browns made. This might have been the most polarizing outside of Baker Mayfield. With they, tra- they they in the fourth round they picked Antonio Callaway, a wide receiver from Florida. Wide receiver was one of the only major obvious needs the Browns didn't hadn't addressed. Um, you know the Browns have a really good one-two puncher and out receiver with Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry, but I still don't think we're to the point with Josh Gordon where you can truly believe that he's going to be clean and going to be um, not suspended and not going to make mistakes off the field that are going to affect his career. If that happens, that's great for the Browns. But even if he does, he's still going to be a free agent after this season. And I think so Josh Gordon's future in Cleveland is not guaranteed long-term. So I think drafting a wide receiver with a lot of upside would make sense here just in case the Josh Gordon situation doesn't work. Antonio Callaway is not really a number one receiver because he's five foot eleven. He's more of a he's beefy though. He's like yeah, two hundred pounds. Right. He's like in a Brandon Cooks type of mold in terms of his build. Yeah. He the the problem with the reason Antonio Callaway Antonio Callaway would have gone. He would have been probably a first uh, late first early second round pick. Yes. Based on talent alone. But tell him what happened. He has this. He has similar issues to. Uh, Josh Gordon, he had drug issues. He failed a drug test at the combine. He claims it was a diluted sample. We'll see if it was or not, because I'm sure that's what Josh Gordon said. He also was charged with uh, assault on a woman. But uh, And the reason a lot of people had a problem with that is because he said he was too stoned to do anything about it, to do anything like assault. So the charges were dropped on him. But he has had a lot of problems staying on the field at Florida, not because of injury, but because of his behavior off the field. So talent-wise, the Browns got an absolute steal. It's kind of like last year when the Browns took Caleb Brantley, ironically, from Florida in the sixth round. High-talent guy who was a second-round projected pick in the sixth round. So the Browns took a guy who 
probably on talent might have been the best receiver in this draft. If he wasn't the best, he was right behind Calvin Ridley of Alabama. So the Browns could potentially here get a huge boon, but they also could have completely had another bust and flame out because putting him in the same locker room as Josh Gordon could be dangerous because like you said, we want to believe in Josh Gordon, but we just don't know because he said things before that we believed. And then he went into rehab and then he went into, and then he came back and then he was just, he's doing better now. And hopefully it's the same thing. Uh, I like the pick in terms of talent, but I understand why people were a little bit uh, skeptical or even upset that we took him just because he did have some very, very concerning issues uh, in college that led up to him being picked so late in the draft. I will say for a guy who has had issues, Callaway is saying all the right things, which absolutely mean nothing if you don't do the right thing. Say things. so to Johnny Manziel. But Antonio Callaway did grow up in an extremely rough neighborhood. He said that when he was a kid, he saw drugs, he saw killing, he didn't have a father figure in his life, his mother a single mother did everything for him. He said when he was a kid, he didn't really get in co- trouble. It's once he got in college and kind of got around situations that were going to allow him to get in trouble that he did. But he swears that, um, you know, that he's a changed man. He swears that since he went lower in the draft, he has a chip on his shoulder. He is comparing himself to Antonio Brown, which you can pick yourself up the, off the floor now. Um, I don't know if Antonio Brown's going to happen, but I will say this. That'd be he, awesome. If he's a similar size as Antonio Brown, and he didn't go early in the draft as similar, which this is the same thing with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was just overlooked. And additionally, he's been training with Antonio Brown and considers Brown a mentor. And look, I think Josh Gordon in a perfect world could be really, really, really helpful for a guy like Antonio Callaway. Show him what not if to. Josh Gordon really is over his issues and he's a clean man now, he can help Callaway through this process of you have to be. Look, I don't even think pot should be legal. Um, I don't think there's anyone that really considers pot to be a massive, massive deal like cocaine and other drugs. But you can't do it and be in the NFL because if you get caught, you get suspended. Rules. I think that's the point Josh Gordon hopefully has gotten to. He's figured out, okay, look, my opinions on pot don't matter. If I want to be in the NFL, if I want to get paid, if I want to have a successful career – I have to not do it. And hopefully a guy like Josh Gordon can be a great mentor for Antonio Callaway. And I know that Antonio Brown is about the best guy you can be working with. If you're a short receiver, I would just hire him to be a Browns coach. If he wasn't a good receiver still in the NFL. Yeah. Um, So, and you know, considering right now, he's probably the Browns number four receiver. He's going to have to work his way up. So he could definitely be a big help in the special teams. Yes. And that's the other thing I was going to say is the Browns have not had much of a a good return, man. I don't want to use Duke Johnson on punt or kick returns since Josh Cribbs retired. Kick returns barely matter in the NFL. They're all but outlawed now with the way the rules are. Mm -hmm. And I think they probably will be outlawed soon. Probably the next year. Honestly. But punt returns still matter. And I think there's a chance that Callaway could make a major impact uh, on punt returns and maybe even on a kick return. And he has a similar a build to Percy Harvin as well. So yes. I mean, if he could have that type of impact that Percy Harvin had early in his career before the migraines and the injuries took over, right. that'd be great. So I don't think – I think if you're going to draft a guy who has issues, Callaway is probably the way to go considering, A, he has owned up to his issues. Um, B, he's saying the right things about how he – 
will not let people down, which again, we've heard that from a thousand people, but also he's working with Antonio Brown. And it's not a Antonio Brown answer. isn't going to just pick any guy to work with. He, obviously, there's something Antonio Brown sees in this guy. So I think if you're going to go with an upside guy in the fourth round, I think Callaway is a guy that makes some sense. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of NFL teams, red list guys that have any issues like that, you know, again, there's a chance that he flames out because he doesn't do the right things or he makes mistakes off the field. But if he doesn't, I think there's a very, very good chance that he becomes a useful NFL player. Yeah. And taking an upside shot and upside guy like that in the fourth round, I think is what you should do in the later rounds. So, you know, the Browns made a couple of their draft picks, but let's be honest, no one really knows much about late round draft picks and they're not going to really have a chance to make an impact off the bat. Yeah. Um, you know, if the Browns hit on a guy late in this year's draft, then you'll be hearing about it because if you do, that's how you can really build great NFL teams. Um, but yeah, good teams are know. built through day three of the draft. And before we end it, there was one player that was taken that I really wish he wouldn't have been taken, not because he's not a good player, just because for his health. Maurice Hurst, the uh, defensive lineman out of Michigan, was projected as a first-round talent in this year's draft, but they found out he had a heart condition, one that he could die from if he's on the football field. And I honestly am very angry at the Oakland Raiders for drafting him because he could die on the field for them if he gets cleared to play. Because apparently the Michigan doctors cleared him to to work out at his pro day, but he was sent home from the combine in Indianapolis because of his heart condition. I am so upset that they, he was drafted, not because I didn't want him to be a successful player, but because he could literally die on the field. And I think that is incredibly irresponsible of the Raiders to take a player who they could put out there and it's on their hands. If he ends up, being permanently scarred or the worst case scenario happens. It just, it infuriates me. Well, there's your rant for the day. Um, like we said, you know, <laughs> the Browns did draft mostly positions of need. It's not like they were going to draft a bunch of guys they didn't need. Okay. If the players they drafted are good, it's a great draft. If they're not good, it's a bad draft. That's how drafts It's not work. good. We'll be talking about the first pick in I, two yeah. years. I have no major complaints about what the Browns did. Um, I think for the most part, the picks made a lot of sense. And, you know, we'll see if the guys are good or not. The Browns are not going to be a great team this year. But I think we're getting to the point now where we can consider the Browns a team on the rise, despite the fact they won zero games. They won five games this year. I'll be happy. Yeah. And look, the AFC North's getting old. Um, so there's going to be opportunity for the Browns if they did hit some of these picks to be good in the next couple years here. Uh, we'll have more NBA content soon. Like Graham said, we're just waiting on the Cavs to finish off their sweep of the Raptors. It should be Monday. Yes. So, uh, there's a good chance we'll come back with a podcast Tuesday about the NBA. And until then, you know, we're not going to have a whole lot of Browns podcasts in the coming months simply because, there's nothing going on in football right now. Yeah, after the draft, it's a slow period until about July. Yep. A quick reminder, we cannot do any MLB podcasts because I am an employee of the Cleveland Indians, which, by the way, it turns out being at the ballpark for 13 hours in a day makes it kind of hard to podcast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I work for the Indians. So just a reminder, we're not going to have any Indians-related um, you know, talk on here, unfortunately, but the job is worth it. So until next time, uh, check out – treecityrecords.com check out tree city records on twitter 
Check me out on Twitter at abaker underscore sports. Check Graham on Twitter at GTM Moen. And uh, subscribe, rate us five stars. Tell your friends. We'll we'll be back soon with some Cavs talk. Until next time, I'm Andrew Baker. I'm Graham Moen. Peace. Peace. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.